Welcome to the Vertifor Insurance Podcast with Rick Fox. We're here to talk about the industry with some of its biggest influencers. From technology, trends, and current events, if it's happening in insurance, you'll hear about it here. Make sure to tune in every week and join in on the conversation with us on social media at Vertifor. And now, here's Rick Fox. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Vertifor Insurance Podcast, the VIP. I'm the host, Rick Fox, today's guest, uh, a guy that's going to take me a couple minutes to introduce because he is a very, very, very busy beaver and um, all very cool stuff. Very excited. We, uh, we spoke a, a while back, and I've been looking forward to this interview for a while. Uh, Brian Ahern. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here, Rick. So let me kind of rattle off some of, well, let's just start with, if you f- want to go find Brian on LinkedIn, he has so many letters after his name uh, that, that that might be the best way to find it. It's CPCU, CTM, CPT, CMCT. It's a lot of stuff. And he'll hopefully, when he tells us about his journey, he'll explain where all of those came from for those, a few of them that I don't even recognize. But currently, Brian is the uh, Chief Influence Officer for Influence People LLC, which is where we'll spend a lot of our time today. He's a LinkedIn learning author and a Cialdini Method certified trainer, which if I'm not mistaken, you are one of under like a couple dozen in the world that, that, that hold that title. Is that right, Brian? That's right. There are only 20 of us across the planet. Yeah. So this is a guy that, that knows about influence, knows about one of the most, uh, I'd say Robert Cialdini is known as one of the top psychology psych- like using psychology for influence is that f- a fair way to describe that in layman's terms yeah he is he's uh, known as the most cited living social psychologist on the planet when it comes to the science of influence so uh as usual we are we are sitting here doing this podcast and i'm the dumbest person in the room but that happens like literally every time but with brian brian's case um, buckle up because I think we're going to get some good stuff. So I want to start off with kind of the way we always do this, uh, Brian. And I kind of want to hear your story. I, I'm looking at I'm looking at your LinkedIn. We've had a few conversations, and you've been in this insurance space for a really really long time, uh, like myself. And and the the veteran, the experience that that kind of credibility that comes with that to our people because of this big fraternity that we're all part of But but just start off by just telling us your journey how did you end up here how are we on the phone today because you uh you've been doing all these great things so talk to me about that all right well i got into insurance because of a girl uh took a job <laughs> with travelers insurance right out of college and then ironically the very first day of work i met my wife who've now been married to for almost 32 years. So, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, everybody says, oh, wow, you know, what a cool story. And I say, I don't think the other girl thought it was so cool. No, probably not as cool to her. Yeah, but, but uh, I knew nothing about insurance. But once I got into it, I realized it's, it's a great career to be in because at the end of the day, we help people. And people don't think about this, but we help the economy. When, when insurance companies make guarantees, homes are built, building supplies are sold, people are employed, there's a ripple effect throughout the economy. And so very proud to have spent over 30 years in, in the insurance industry. Um, the way I got to where I am today, though, is when I was involved with sales training at my former company, a coworker had come down and given a video of Robert Cialdini to my boss and I, and it was Cialdini presenting at Stanford. And for me, the light bulb came on. I thought, holy cow, what he's talking about here, this psychology, 
it is the foundation of all the sales training we do. It's why it works, or in right. some cases it doesn't. And I was really moved by the fact that it was backed up by data. Six decades at that time of research from social psychology. And then the final thing that really grabbed me was his stance on ethics. He was very, very clear about non-manipulative ways to get people to do things. Well, it was such a good video. I signed up for Stanford's marketing, got some other resources from them. But one day, one of their marketing flyers came across my desk, and it had in bold letters right at the top, bestseller. And then right underneath it, call it influence, persuasion, or even manipulation, right in the headline. Wow. I thought, wow, I cannot believe they actually put that in there. So the, the moral part of me, uh, I felt like I needed to address it. So I sent an email to Stanford and basically said, I don't know anybody who wants to be manipulated. I don't know anybody who wants to be known as a good manipulator. That word cannot be helping your sales, but it really could be hurting. Um, I never so heard true. from Stanford, but one day my phone rang and it was Robert Cialdini's office. And one of his representatives said, I'm calling to thank you on behalf of Dr. Cialdini. Your email to Stanford is changing the marketing of all of our material. And that was wow. the beginning of my relationship with, with Robert Cialdini and his organization, Influence at Work. Well, and what's so cool about it, Brian, is, you know, we, we live in this world and, and you know, there's so much... Uh, sales involved in our industry, right? I mean, uh, most even most agency principals at this point were were or are a producer that's mm -hmm. out selling, and I've always st stayed really firm in my belief that what we do as independent agents, independent agencies, is very important in in the world. Like we are protecting people in their time of need, and we are we have a responsibility to to what it is that that people like like to make sure they're covered to make sure they they understand to make sure they have someone that they trust because that one time when something horrible happens you're there for them and what i love about what you're saying and why i'm i'm like i said so so excited and and passionate about what i do and why i think this conversation is going to be so great is you're spot on the the, the art of influence is one thing but the art of influence, because what you're doing on the other side of that is a very important, positive thing. That's where the like the rubber meets the road for me. So it's one thing if I'm out and I, you know, I follow you on LinkedIn and I'm learning about how to influence people and and all of these things. And then I'm a car salesman. That's uh, and no disrespect to car salesmen, but if I buy a you know a Lexus or a Mercedes or a BMW or whatever I buy, it doesn't change my life. You might have, you know, gotten me a better deal or maybe you didn't, you know, you told me that that undercoating that cost $2,000 with the upset, like you understand my point. My Absolutely. point is what we're doing in insurance has such a, like, like a, a, a place in their lives and we can, you know, the, the, the term trusted advisor gets thrown around so much everywhere, but, but I believe it. Like in our space, that is so important. So when you say the kind of stuff you're saying, I'm just like, I'm over here pumping my fist and like, yes, Brian is, is he, he, he gets it mm -hmm. and he's here to help. And so everybody listening in, like, like make sure your volume's up and, and let's, let's, let's dig in. So Brian, I'm again, so happy to have you here and so happy that like, let, let me just, let me just do a little housekeeping. Cialdini is spelled C-I-A-L-D-I-N-I, -I, but the easiest way to find out all about that 
just go find Brian Ahern, A-H-E-A-R-N on LinkedIn. So let's get into it. So the kind of the way I want to break this down for people, and, and you and I were talking about this in a different conversation, is kind of the, like the three core principles of influence. And what to me and what you said was helping you hear yes. That's mm-hmm. kind of what this boils down to. In fact, if you look at Brian's profile on LinkedIn, it literally says helping you hear yes in the top. So, so kind of three areas. And I think what's important here is that all three are important to everyone, but everyone should at least really lock into one. Again, some of you might like all three or, or, or feel like you have a deficiency or a way to get better in one of the three, but, but I just want to go through the three. I want you to name out the three and then let's start with the first one and, and let's, let's go. So, so tell me the three core principles that we're going to talk about today. Well, an overarching framework for this is building relationship, helping people to overcome states of uncertainty, and then moving people to action. And it's important to understand all three because uh, if you're moving into a, a new relationship, just use insurance agent as an example, that person wants to get to know, like, and trust you. They're not going to go any further if they don't. But then they may really like you, but they're not sure what they should be doing. That's where you have an opportunity to use some psychology to help overcome that. And then finally, there may be people who really know you, they like you, they trust you. It's, there's no uncertainty about what they should do. They're just not doing it. And uh, not an insurance example, but it could be your kids, right? <laughs> where they, they, they I, love you. Yes, I can relate to that. They love you. It's very clear what they should be doing and they're just not doing it. So then there are other core principles that we can use to motivate people to action. So that's the, the overarching framework of kind of moving people along to ultimately get to a yes. Okay. So number one, building relationships. We obviously know this industry is like the soul of this industry is built on relationships. And mm-hmm. so talk to me about the, you know, the psychology behind that and what, what really like, let's, let's dig in there because like I always say on these podcasts, I want people jotting down notes and then going and having something tangible that they can take back to their day and change, even if it's just a slight tweak or just a shift, something that they can work on tomorrow morning when they get in the office that, that changes the way they approach. And in this case, building relationships. Talk to me about that. Well, there are two, two principles of influence that are especially good at doing that. One is called reciprocity. That is when I give to you in a way that's beneficial to you, you appreciate that you tend to like me more, but let's focus on the principle that we call liking, which says we prefer to say yes to those we know and like. Now that's not a revelation for anybody listening to this. They're all going, yeah, okay, of course I know that. The challenge that I've always found though, is that people don't always know how to make that happen. They, they know that relationships are important, but they're not sure how to make it happen. It's only after years they look over their shoulder and go, wow, I have a lot of friends, but they don't know why that necessarily came about. And we try to teach people some very specific ways to make that happen. And one simple way is to connect on what you have in common. So you and I finding out that we're an insurance, boom, we've got something that we could be talking about. Mm-hmm. If we had met on an airplane and and you had told me that you're an insurance. And then I said, I'm an insurance. And you said, you do a podcast. And I'm like, hey, I've been on a lot of podcasts. I mean, right away, there's a connection. And, and you will probably like me more. Or if we find out we cheer for the same sports teams, whatever it is, we find out things we have in common. We tend to like that other person more. Um, another way of engaging this is also to 
give people genuine compliments. When you see something worthy of a compliment, you give that compliment, that person feels good, they tend to like you more. So what I always tell people, Rick, is it's just not that hard to get people to like you. But the problem really is some people approach that in a way that um, comes across smarmy. Uh, and again, yeah. you know, I'll use the used car sales. Disingenuous, right? Yeah, the, the person yeah. who will say or do anything to get you to like them just so you will say yes. And I always tell people the real key for this, and this is what I hope people will write down, it is not about me getting you to like me. It is about me coming to like you. Hmm. I like the, that. And the good, well, the good news here too is the very same things that will make you like me will also cause me to like you. So if I go into situations with a mindset that says, you know what, I want to like the agents that I work with. I want to like the company people that I engage with. I want to like the, the associates that I work with. I can then go in and say, therefore, I'm going to connect with them, not to get them to like me, but so I come to like them. I'm going to look for the good in them. And I'm going to offer them genuine praise so that I convince myself that they're good people. And here's why this is so important. Rick, when you begin to sense that, wow, Brian really likes me, and you can tell by the look in the eye, tone of voice, body language, all of that, when you begin to really believe that I like you, you become so much more open to what I might ask. Yes, yes. And, and the good news in this is the more I come to like you, I would never manipulate my friends. I would only do what I believe is in my best, in my friend's best interest. And so we have this virtuous cycle where you know that I want the best for you and I want the best for you. Now we may not always agree what is the best thing, but, but you can see how we've built this relationship where, where we both like each other, there's a trust level and it works so much better for us to then become partners. Yeah, I really like that, Brian. And, and you think about like, like how much, well, everything, but in this case, how much that relates to life, right? I mean, and and if if I'm in a relationship with a friend or you know, I'm married now, but back mm -hmm. in the day when you're meeting when you're meeting and courting with with uh, potential partners or mm -hmm. relationships, it's the same thing. If yep. I'm sensing that you like me, it's natural for me to want to experience what that is and, and move toward seeing if I really like you. I, I think that's, yes. that's important. And if you're, so again, back to my point of if we're taking something back to our desk, uh, I think this is really big and, and it, it might be even be like a little note is, do I like who I'm talking to on the phone? Like a little post-it on your computer or something yep. like that that says that says something that, that reminds you that this is a two-way street mm -hmm. and Man, if you get to a point in a relationship with a customer or a prospect or you know anyone in your life, I guess that that is it is that two way street to your point and what I said earlier, mm -hmm. this trusted advisor relationship becomes almost like like duh. Of course, that's where we're at, right? Absolutely. I I tell people my why for why I do what I do is to help people enjoy more professional success and personal happiness, and I truly believe that your ability to ethically influence others will help you succeed at the office. You know, the more in sales, the more customers who say yes, the more sales you make. You're a manager, right. the more you get your employees to say yes, the more they work hard and move the ball forward. So it's critical for the professional, but on the personal level too. And, and think about this, what I just described to you, Rick, 
not only is it significant if we're in a business relationship that, that you like me and I like you and therefore we get more accomplished, I also say, man, I really enjoy what I do because I enjoy the people that I work with. Right. There's the happiness aspect. And so th this is a 24-7, 365 skill. I think it's, I think it's brilliant. I, and and I, I'm just like sitting here thinking about how it relates to my situation with my kids or mm -hmm. with my wife or with the people on my team or working with Dylan, the producer of this podcast or whatever. And, and uh, I'm just sort of ticking off people that I really like. And then right after that, I'm thinking, yeah, when I work with that person, uh, like at, at my company, mm -hmm. we get a lot done. And, yep. and that, that's such a, that's such a great point. Okay. Me, so that's, me, well, let me, yeah, go ahead. No, quickly, go Brian. You said, you said marriage and I've been married. I'm going to have my 32nd anniversary next Congratulations. month. Congratulations. Nice work. Thank you. Um, my wife, one time when she was feeling kind of blue said to me, she goes, you only love me because you make yourself think positive thoughts about me. <laughs> and I laughed like you did. And I said, if love's a choice, isn't that a good thing? that my love is not contingent upon how I feel. I mean, sometimes I feel good, sometimes I don't, but I always love. And, and really, that should be a lot more comforting that it's not based on the whims of, of how I feel. But I've recognized, Rick, over time, I can do so many things to change how I think and feel. Mm -hmm. and, and simple examples, like I have on my, my um, playlist, there's a playlist called Jane, and it's all the songs that make me feel wonderful when I think about her. So I play it a lot because I want to be in a good mood when I walk in the house. I have one for my daughter, which sets me in a mindset of being a better dad to, to my daughter. There, beyond what I've already described, there are so many little things that we can do that will enhance those relationships. They cost nothing but a little creativity and time to think it through. Yeah, well, and, and I think it's just acknowledgement of it, right? I mean, just thinking in these terms, should change. I mean, like I'm already, like I said, I'm already thinking about ways that, that I can, I can improve in this area just based on the few moments we spent together. Um, Brian, I want to uh, like, I literally could spend another 45 minutes on this topic, but I kind of want to jump ahead just because okay. I want to make sure that we at least hit the three cores and, and then probably have to do a, uh, <laughs> excuse me, probably have to do some kind of a, you know, a 2.0 of this later to, uh, to kind of dig in on some things that we might not get to, but let's, let's move ahead. Okay. So, so, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that everyone out there listening is, is, is kind of jumped in on the idea of that building relationships. I think we all say it, but if it's just a catchphrase or something that we, that we sort of go, yeah, I know I gotta, uh, I gotta build it. Yeah. That doesn't work. So right. uh, what Brian's saying here is, is just dig deeper, figure it out. Now he's given you kind of a roadmap into how to strategize and, and make those, you know, figure out again, the like part is, is so crucial. Mm -hmm. So, okay, we've got that one. That's bucket one. Bucket two now is overcoming uh, uncertainty. I, like yep. I think the, the catchphrase here is, uh, like the first one was trusted advisor or, or, you know, build relationships. This one is overcoming objections. Every single sales book I've ever read has a section on overcoming objections. What I like of the way you kind of put this is overcoming uncertainty. To me, that that's, that's a better kind of psychological approach to it because anyone can say, oh, it's too expensive. Well, would they have said it's too expensive if you, in the first bucket, 
had built a relationship that was that was on you know a mutual respect, a mm-hmm. mutual like. And if you like you as a salesperson or a whatever uh, is saying, hey, you need to take a look at this, and here's the price, but it makes sense. It's too expensive. Isn't the response you would hope to get mm-hmm. right because you had built something in bucket one, but now that I'm in bucket two, talking about overcoming uh, uh, uncertainties. Talk to me about that. Okay, so somebody may know you and they might really like you, but they're still not sure, especially in, in the context of selling insurance. Boy, I've had a relationship with my current agent for seven years. I don't hear from him or right. her too often, but nothing's bad. Uh, do I really want to go through the hassle of making the switch? You can imagine all the things, and it yep. may come out in, in what, see, what we call objections, but really underneath it, it's like, I'm just not sure if I should actually take this step, if I should go with you. Um, there's a couple of core psychological principles. One is social proof and the other is authority that can help to overcome that. And so I'll give you an example. If, if you were, let's say, a grocery store owner and I'm writing, I'm looking to write your commercial account, Rick. I insure, you know, I may know that I insure a couple of dozen grocery stores. If I don't mention that, I'm a bungler. <laughs> you know, you knowing that I insure a lot of businesses like yours will certainly impact your thinking, right? Um, you may not have looked at my LinkedIn profile. If you don't know how long I've been doing this, shame on me for not doing something. Right. But I can very conversationally say something like this. You know, Rick, here at the Ahern Agency, we insure more than two dozen grocery stores. Most are about the same size and revenue stream as yours. And when I was looking at your policy, I noticed something. You don't carry mechanical breakdown coverage. And that really stood out to me because all of our customers, all of our grocery store customers, carry mechanical breakdown. You know, I think it's critical. I've been doing this for more than 30 years. I know it's critical. Mm, Why why did your agent recommend against it or why did you decide against it? So now in in that very conversational tone, I've put out social proof. Two dozen people, just like you were doing something. Do I want you to to start thinking like, oh my gosh, I do. Because I want you to follow the lead of people who are like you who are having success. I casually drop in that I've done this for more than 30 years and I believe it's critical. Now you know something about my authority because most of the time, if somebody's done something for a long time, they're probably pretty good at it. So those few nuggets in that space of just like a minute really begin to weigh on your thinking, causing you, all I want at this point is for you to really start contemplating, shouldn't I be considering this coverage? And and the good news in this is, this isn't manipulation. It's not hard sell. It's all true. All of my right. customers carry it. Shame on me if I don't, if I can't persuade you to carry that coverage, which I know is critical because no customer ever came back to say, darn my agent, he gave me the right coverage in the right amounts. Now I'm fully covered. <laughs> right? That, that mean person, he covered me properly. Yeah, but a lot yeah. of people have said my agent didn't because right. the agent didn't know how to have that conversation or didn't want to appear pushy or something. But everything I'm talking about here is true. The psychology is very natural to the situation. And I know that what I'm putting on the table is good for you, not just good for me. So I think that's an ethical way to approach it. Well, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, you're also doing right by the customer. Like, like not only does it give you the, like you said, the social proof, but, but it, but you are, if you have, two dozen customers similar to the customer or the prospect you're talking to Mm -hmm. and they are, you know, 
successfully carrying this coverage and it is doing, and you're doing right by them. It, you said it, but shame on you if you don't, right? Yep. I mean, shame on you if you're not having that conversation. And, and then that's one of, that's the uncertainty. That's where you're starting to bridge that uncertainty gap where mm-hmm. you're, and, and again, just to re- reiterate what he said, it's social proof and authority. That's mm-hmm. what Brian said. And that, that, so here's our, here's your second post-it note. Yep. Uh, maybe you feel like you had relationships nailed. Uh, I doubt that you had thought about it in the way that Brian presented it. And so I still think there's value there, but here's your second post-it for your laptop screen or the corner of your desk or whatever, which is social proof and authority. Those are two things that if you are not hitting those right in the face, uh, you're doing yourself a disservice, which in turn is doing your prospect or customer a disservice. So I, I love that. I think that is that is good. Should, should we go to number three? Absolutely. I'm ready. Okay. All right. So number three is um, <laughs> I've always described this industry, especially when it comes to technology changes as the, the largest competitor that any of us tech companies have is inertia or that lack of movement. Mm-hmm. And that goes right in line with people in general, right? Um, and in this case, number three is uh, moving people to action. So that's that, like getting them off their tush and getting them to make a decision and make that an, an, an act. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about that, Brian. Okay. So we're in a situation, we'll say, where somebody, they, they know you and they like you, and they're no longer unsure about what they should do. They probably in their gut know what they should do, but they're still hesitating. And it could be the, you know, the fear of buyer's remorse. It could be the thought of, well, last time it sounded so good and it didn't work out so well. And there can be these things holding them back. When we talk about moving people to action, there's a couple of other core psychological principles that come into play. The first one is called consistency. And consistency describes the reality that, that most human beings feel better about themselves and they know they look better to other people when their words and deeds line up. The big mistake that so many people make is they never engage this because they tell people what to do. But it's when you ask and somebody affirms that they'll do something, they feel more committed to follow through on their word. So this really goes into then the insurance agent having to ask the right questions so that they can come back later in the process and say, um, we know, Rick, you mentioned earlier about the number one priority for you was making sure your family was fully covered. And what we're going to talk about here does that. And right. So if I start showing you everything that lines up with what you have said you value, what you say is important, it becomes very hard for you to not take that action. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. that it's totally easy, but you feel so much more comfortable like, well, Brian's hit on everything that I said I needed and the price is good and everything else looks good. Um, and it becomes much easier for you to sever that relationship with that maybe longtime agent. Um, so it's about asking the right questions so that you can come back and say, we've met the needs. This is what you've said and this yes. is how we've met it. The other, oh, or, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, I, I go, go on because I, I was going to make a point, but I want to hear what you're going to say next. Well, then the other core principle is what we call scarcity. Uh, that we value things more when we believe they're rare or diminishing. And so what psychology teaches us, and this is extremely clear, people are more motivated by what they may lose as opposed Mm -hmm. to what they might gain. Um, If we don't gain something, we don't really feel worse off. We're like, oh gosh, it would have been nice, but I don't feel worse off. But if I think that I lost something, then I feel worse off. And so if I can frame something in honestly, 
in what you stand to lose by not acting today, you will be more likely to ultimately say yes. Now, let me be real clear about this too. This isn't the, uh, the, the guy who knocks on your door and tells you if you buy the gutters or the siding or the roofing today, he'll save you 15%. But if he has to come back tomorrow, you don't get that deal. That's, right. that's not legitimate. But legitimate might be, hey, the reason I can't offer you this deal potentially is because there's a hurricane coming down on the East Coast. And if it hits, building supplies will be in short order. So I cannot guarantee this price. That's legitimate. Interesting. Yeah. But not the, uh, if I have to come back, I can't give you this. That's BS. Right. I, I, you know, I think, I think what's, what's great about this is I've always said, uh, you know, Dylan's probably shaking his head right now because he listens to, you know, he's obviously producing my podcast. <laughs> and, um, but I say this all the time. It's like I go to shows or I have a conversation uh, and people in general go wherever they go. If they go to the, you know, the Elevate Conference or ITC or, you know, our, our show that we have, the Accelerate Conference. And there's so many great points and so many great ways to learn and so many opportunities to make your agency better. And what people constantly do is, yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome. Go back to your day, get stuck in your day and don't change. Mm -hmm. Like I, what I think what you're saying, Brian, it's, it's a subtle, it's very subtle, mm -hmm. but if you spend the time and energy and you focus on, you know, helping yourself here, yes, it's just such a great way to improve. I, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely happy. So wrap up number three for me, moving people to action with a, with a post-it note, because we've got two post-its up on our monitor right now. Uh, we've got the, you know, the, what's the third one? What, what would, what, what do I put on a post-it to, 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 to stay locked in on, I, I on would, moving people to action? I would say then stop telling people what to do and start asking. And let me give a quick example. My daughter, when she was a teenager, um, it was not uncommon for my wife to maybe say in the morning, in the hustle and bustle of getting off to work, uh, Aunt Abigail emptied the dishwasher. And boom, we'd take off for work and then she'd take off for school. We'd come home at five o'clock, 5.30, dishwasher not empty. Now, depending on whether she was working and how late she was out, we might get up the next day and the dishwasher's not empty. And my wife would be really frustrated. And you can imagine how that conversation is going to go, right? <laughs> yes, Abigail, I, I told yes, you, I can. <laughs> empty yes, the dishwasher. Yes, uh, and then, and of course she comes back with, uh, I didn't hear you. I've been busy. I've been studying all the excuses that could have been avoided by simply asking. And I would say, Abigail, will you please empty the dishwasher before you leave for school? She either says yes and does it. Or if she said, I can't, I'm in a hurry. I would have said, well, wait a minute. Can you empty it as soon as you get home from school before you leave for work? Yeah, yeah, I will. And almost every time she would, because psychologically, once she put out that she would do it, she doesn't want to feel bad about herself. And she doesn't want to look bad to me. Now, put that into dealing with your customers or whomever it is. Stop telling them what to do and start asking so that when they say, yes, I'll get you that, they're far more likely to actually do it. I like that. I think that's wonderful. Uh, Brian, I think there's like, let me just, let me just give you a little uh, love here. I, I, you know, I follow Brian on LinkedIn. He posts great stuff. Uh, recently just wrote an article in LinkedIn called Persuasion, Your Key to Professional Success and Personal Happiness. And what I love about Brian and why I think you should all go out and seek him out is he knew we were doing this podcast. Obviously, it was on both of our calendars since December. Uh, and when we recorded it, the day, the day of, Brian sent me a little note this morning. just said, hey, looking forward to working with you on this. I listened to one of your other podcasts about being grateful and being thankful. It was actually the 
insure rant we did back uh, at Thanksgiving time. And he said, here's a, here's a blog that I wrote about that. That's really awesome that you might enjoy. That's the kind of like focus and, and support and a passion that Brian has that, that obviously matches up with what I hope you're getting from, from us on this podcast every week. And that's why Brian, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm excited that we got to have you. Um, I do want to ask you one last question, kind of the final uh, the final question we always ask, we're going to record this next little bit. We're going to put it in a time capsule and someone's going to dig it up tomorrow or in a month or in a year from now. And I want Brian Ahern's number one piece of advice for the insurance industry. Um, I would say um, in, in my book, the last chapter is the key to happiness is um, that you're content, that you, uh, it's happy is the man who wants what he has, I guess what it really comes down to. And I think for people to look at themselves in the insurance industry, and as we discussed earlier, to say, you know what, um, I might be doing some of the same things if I worked in banking or medical or something yep. else like that. Um, you know, I'm going to answer emails and phones. I'm going to go to meetings. 90% of what we're going to probably do is the same, different product or service. But, but by focusing on the fact that, you know what, what I'm doing matters. Because when that bad time hits and we step in and we help people get back on their feet, we've done a really, really good thing. And I think that that is, that is a noble industry to be in. And too many people don't go in thinking about that. They just go in and think about, oh, gosh, more meetings and emails and this and that. And yeah, that's, you know what? That's like practice if you're going to play, play football, right? Those guys who played yesterday mm -hmm. in the Super Bowl, they had to go through a bunch of crap to get to yeah. where they are. They didn't enjoy it all, but boy, the payoff was worth it. And I think that we need to keep that kind of focus too. Brian Ahern, helping you hear yes. Go find him on LinkedIn. Also, everybody out there, don't forget to follow me. Every week we have a new podcast. Please subscribe to it. Follow me on LinkedIn or connect with me. Send me notes. Let me know what you think. Let me know other people that might be excellent guests like Brian. And we'll just keep pumping this stuff out and giving you guys information. You've got your three post-it notes from Brian and way, way more to learn from him by getting connected with him. So, Brian, thank you so much for being on with us. Uh, I hope we can do a 2.0 at some time in the not-too-distant future and dig, even, dig in deeper than we already did. Thank you, my friend. It was my pleasure, and I'll take you up on 2.0. I love it. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Vertifor Insurance Podcast and tune in next Thursday for a brand new episode. You can find more episodes at vertifor.com under the resources tab or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you subscribe. And if you enjoyed this episode, share it on social and spread the word. Don't forget to join in on the conversation and recommend future guests by messaging us at Vertifor.